You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number three. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio at the bottom of the hour. Sportsnet's Carolyn Cameron. Don't forget, tonight, Rogers' Monday night hockey viewing party from 4.30 to 8.30 at the 7 Chief Sportsplex and Jim Starlight Center. VIP guests include Flames alumni and Hitman assistant coach Matt Stajan and the Rogers hologram featuring a Q&A with the NHL on Sports and host Carolyn Cameron. Fans are invited to take part and skate on the ice while the broadcast is taking place. We'll talk to CC Carolyn Cameron at the bottom of the hour. But right now, he is a Flames analyst, the Flames analyst, for Sportsnet 960, the fan on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We say good morning to Peter Labardius. Lou, how are you? I am excellent. How are you guys over there today? Uh, we're good. Um, we're all playing a little hurt today. Uh, the Super Bowl went down last night. It was a super late evening. Um, your thoughts on Super Bowl 57, Lou? Isn't that what championship sporting events are supposed to end up being? That's I just thought it was a fantastic football game. Um, you know, the quarterback play was exceptional. And, you know, I, I feel I feel for Philly fans in the sense that I can't even imagine. Um, well, A, I can't even imagine what it would be like to see a team from Minnesota in the Super Bowl. Um, but... You know, it's, it was a bit of a ticky-tack call late. However, two things, George. Um, I thought the one thing I didn't hear talked about enough during the game and after the game was the incredible work of the offensive line of the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I, I thought that the Philadelphia front was nowhere near as effective as I had seen them be in the five or six times I'd watched them all season long. And again, when you have two great teams, and those are two great teams, who makes the fewest mistakes and big mistakes? And Philadelphia made some mistakes. You know, in the first half, they take a penalty uh, on a third, on a third and half a yard that cost them when it looked like they might be ready early in the game to run away and hide. Um, you know, the next play they fumble and all of a sudden, instead of maybe on their way to 21, seven, it's 14, 14. Um, they made the bigger mistakes, but it was, it was just, it was a brilliant football game. Yeah, I again, I I just hate the fact that it had to end the way it did with that uh, holding penalty. Even James Bradbury admitted that it was a holding penalty, but it's just it's just frustrating because uh, it's been under such a microscope, especially fresh off that Bengals and Chiefs game in the AFC title yep. game a couple weeks ago. You just hate the fact that it has to end that way, and and there's no there's no right answer, right, Lou? We can't review everything. Because then what kind of flow no. are we going to have in a football game? I know football is a lot of start and stop to begin with, but we, we can't have every single play reviewed. And by the letter of the law, although it sucks, that was a holding penalty. 
George, I always, you know, end those types of conversations this way. Should we always try to do better in every situation than we've probably done before in the past? Yes. But for me, the human element of sports, like, I don't want to know all the outcomes. You know, if we're going to live with the fact that humans play the sports, I think we have to live with the fact that, you know, humans also referee and officiate the sports. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, again, technology in its own way is great. And, you know, I'm thankful for it. And we should always try to advance and do better. But, you know, again, even do, did I like that fact? No, I wouldn't have brought it up if I didn't. But outside of if you're involved in those two markets, you know, it, it, I, I just wish people had more of a tendency to talk about how great the game was rather than, you know, yeah. one call, one play. And don't get me wrong, like I said, if that happened to my team, I don't know. You, you probably wouldn't have been able to get a hold of me this morning. Um, no chance. <laughs> right. And because I would have been saying things publicly that, uh, well, I get myself in trouble most of the time anyway, but probably to a really, really bad extent. So I, I see it from all sides, but, you know, not having, not betting and not having really any skin in the game whatsoever, none in fact, yeah. I it's why I love sports and why it's such a massive part of my life. Um, we we had Frank Saravalli on, and he was talking about uh, how people in Philadelphia were probably taking out a second or third mortgage on their homes to go to that game last night. Those are the people yes. I thought of last night at that game, Lou, who witnessed yeah. that penalty and knew that that was the end of the game. It's hard not to feel that way because – you know, I don't have any money. Um, I do own part of a house. But if the Minnesota Vikings in my lifetime ever get to a Super Bowl, like, I'm going to go. It's really the one and only. I mean, I'd love to see one at some point. But um, so, yeah, when you're that invested and you've spent that kind of money and, and all of it, yeah, it's it's. And and the one thing, George, I can identify with, and I'm not saying it's correct or right, but you will not phone anybody in this country who is more emotionally attached when he's truly invested. So I get it. Although I have matured a little, so that's good. You know, when the Vikings lose on a Sunday it used to take me about three days to be in a better place. Now it's it's the two-hour rule for me. Like, just leave okay. me alone for a couple hours. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk about the game. <laughs> don't, don't chirp me. You know, just leave it. And then we're good. What did you think of the halftime show? What did I think of the halftime show? I thought it was, I thought it was really, really innovative. 
um, you know, could tell pretty quickly that, uh, you know, she was, she was pregnant and I was a little worried because, you know, I'm not sure that was in the best interest maybe of her and a potential child to be, you know, as high as the top of the stadium and being moved up and down. But, um, it was, it was, it was really unique. Um, I don't, you know, I, I absolutely like a, a number of her songs, but you know, my uh, Spotify account. No, yep. it does. It has one. It has one Rihanna song. Is it "Bitch Better Have My Money"? Uh, <laughs> no. No. That's not it. No, Maddie, and you just led me to a place that I am not. <laughs> <laughs> you see, in, in in my case, uh-huh. in my case, at one point, and even this morning, it would probably fit quite well after the weekend. Yeah, it would be more like the B word has a lot more of my mm. money, <laughs> or took half of my money. I'm just kidding. Or took half of my money. Yes. Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. How I, I love it. I love it when a human knows you so well <laughs> that they are laughing hysterically on the phone. Yeah. You don't even have to get to the words. Yeah. Well, there's um yeah, there's no easy way to segue to the flames from there, but um No, there isn't. No. Hmm. Okay. Well, I got one more for both oh, of you. Okay. I, I got one more. Thank I, goodness, save me here. I got one more for both of you here, and we'll move on to the Flames. I don't yeah. think it, I don't think it's particularly close. Patrick Mahomes is the most valuable player in North American professional sports. Agree or disagree? Ooh. Michael Stone says, "Hold my beer," but I'd have to think about it. <laughs> uh, you know what, George? You know, again, I'd, I'd quantify by saying this: it, it, it again depends a little bit on your value system. Um, but that it's a hard one. It's a hard one to dispute and argue. And and I think even briefly thinking about it, although I still have Rosenblum's laugh and divorce ringing right between my two ears. Um, yeah, I think, I, I, I think that that's very fair. That's, that's very fair. I'd have to agree. He's right up at the top of the list, especially given the sport yeah, and just what the co- and like just what the quarterback means to playing in football. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not really close. There isn't a specialized position quite like it. Like I goalie's close, but yeah, it's it's a little bit different. Goalies can't score, so there's the problem there. Um, uh, let's talk about the Flames for a moment here, Lou. Uh, in Buffalo on Saturday, uh, slow start perhaps on the scoreboard as they trailed after 20 minutes of play. But they were heavily out shooting Buffalo. I guess, what did you see from that game? Because to me, that was a game that maybe fans expected to see more of from this team in the first 50 games of the year. Well, I think we could point to a number of those games, Maddie. And I love how you phrased the fact that it was a slow start more on the scoreboard. Listen, the good Lord and Savior doesn't stop Tage Thompson shot. So let's let's begin right there. <laughs> hit the penny, Lou. Um, what's that? He hit the penny, as Daryl said. 
oh, he did. He hit the penny and the teacup and, you know, the top corner and whatever you want to say. Uh, you know, the second one, maybe Jacob could have had. The difference was, and it's why it can be very frustrating, is when this team gets to its game, and the big thing, fellas, is we've talked about scoring all season long. There definitely with that group can be a very feast or famine type situation in terms of it seems like they either get five or they get one, although that's, you know, on average, obviously not mathematically correct or correct in any way, shape or form. But, you know, this is not a team that, has the type of people that are game changers like the guys up the highway. But when they play the game the right way and their four check is good and they're a connected group from the offensive, you know, end line to the center of the the ice and they're turning people over and they're making even good young defensemen look average they can be a very difficult team to deal with. And, you know, in the last two periods in particular, they were difficult. Now, the other factor is, you know, was it Uka Pekka Lukanen's best day at the office? No. But that's all, you know, that's all part of it. And the exciting thing is, although it becomes frustrating, is when this team plays the right way, they can absolutely compete and potentially beat anybody in the National Hockey League. It just doesn't happen quite as often as I think anybody that cares about the team Hmm. would like to see. We've seen... uh, I know you're a fan of good things happening to good people, and in that game, Jacob Pelche gets his first. And maybe a thought on A, the, the goal, but then also... Just the the evolution in his ice time and his usage under Daryl Sutter in the first, you know, five to seven games that we've seen here from Pelche in the NHL. Well, when I watch Jacob, guys, I immediately go back to even the first time I watched him with my own two eyes, and that was at the Palenka Gretzky U18 tournament in Edmonton in 2018. And, you know, that was an excellent team with, you know, there's a few good guys on that team. Bowen Byram, um, for one. Um, Alexi Lafreniere, for another. Kirby Dock. Uh, it was it was a very very gifted and talented team. And you know, Jacob was in virtually a second third line in between role. But what I loved about him was three things. I loved his competitiveness. I loved how smart he was. Um, and he always was around it and I couldn't really take my eyes off of him. And, and I always say this chance now he's got a long way to go in terms of he's going to get stronger. Um, but he is highly intelligent. He puts himself in good spots. He doesn't panic with the puck. He makes subtle little plays and on his goal. I mean, He's basically at the Flames' end line in their own zone, being in good defensive position, 
and then just flat out outraces the forward going to the net to make himself available and beautifully finishes the play. He's not going anywhere for a while. Now, that's not to say he's going to be utilized in exactly the same way, but but his best attributes are going to make him an NHL and potentially for a long time. Smart matters. Competitiveness matters. And he's got both of them. And you could tell even... Here's another thing I'd add quickly. So there are lots of fabulous young people who play the game. You guys happen to notice the type of reaction he got when he scored? Yeah. And the photo in the dressing room after. Yes. That tells me something that's also, in my opinion, very significant. And that is he has buy-in from the veterans because it's a very veteran team to begin with. And why? Because he's a good teammate. He's respectful. And they, one thing, and, and George and Maddie, you guys, I know you will both be in agreement with this. We analyze every day in our own way. Players know who players are. They know. Lou, do you think there's a chance that maybe they're showcasing him a little bit with how high he's playing in the lineup? No. No, I don't. I at least I hope not. I mean, this this Georgian, as usual, it's it's another great question. Um, I just don't think this team is yet in a position. I know they had a you know a really good regular season. Um, but in my estimation, I would not pay a huge price. I know they're in a so-called type of window, but I would feel a lot better about doing something like that after another playoff appearance and even potentially a little bit more success in the playoffs. I, I, I think, I think a true elite team is a team that you don't even have to question really in a three, four, five, six-year window whether they're going to be a playoff team or not and whether, you know, they have an excellent chance. Now, I take Toronto out of that mix because of the division they play in. But it's different where Calgary is. So could I see it happening? Yes. Are there some factors that would lead you to ask that question? No doubt about it. And that's not how the Americans say no doubt about it. Um, (laughs) But uh, yes, yes. I just, I just wouldn't, this team doesn't have enough people in its pipeline that I think are truly going to be everyday NHL players. And I think he's going to be. To what level, to what extent, to exactly what slot and role, I don't know that yet. And I don't think anybody does. But I do think he's going to be an NHL player for a long time. Peter Labardius, Flames analyst for Sportsnet 960. Lou, always great stuff. We'll do it again soon.
Yeah, and I will not be calling my divorce lawyer. I really enjoy the woman that I'm with. Now, she at some point will probably divorce me, but Mm. that's okay. 80% of women uh, in in a divorce, it's 80% of the time the woman who makes the decision. Fun stuff. Well, you know why? You know why? Mm. Because men always aren't the smartest or nicest. So we probably deserve it once in a while. You're right. Uh, great stuff, Lou. Okay, Talk good. soon. Hey, have a great day, guys. Thank you. There's Peter Labardius on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Take out or delivery at 403-248-3344. Really quickly here, no showcase vibes for you with Peltier? No, definitely not. Okay. I just think it's interesting that how hit – like his role has changed with this team and the in the eyes of the head coach so quickly. Right? I think that uh like when we had Eric Francis on last week, I think Francis was bang on when he said after that one press conference that there might have been a chat that said, Hey, maybe don't do that and maybe start treating our top prospect like a top prospect and and in Daryl Sutter's defense, like he did say, like, this is gonna be a little bit of a process. He's never been a guy that says, Hey, welcome to the NHL. Here's fifteen minutes of ice time. Started him yeah. down the lineup and over a handful of games worked his way up the lineup. Like it would be different if he hadn't have shown progress to earn that spot on the second line. If he had just kind of like been toiling on the fourth line, then they just bumped him up to try and get something out of him and try and boost mm-hmm. his value. But this just feels like good asset management of a young prospect to me. And and definitely adds an element of speed to this team uh desperately needs especially up front all right carolyn cameron nhl on sportsnet straight ahead it's the big show russick and rose sportsnet 960 the fan your number one spot for flames coverage can be found on flames talk with me pat steinberg exclusive interviews trusted insiders and the latest news listen live weekday afternoons at four or stream the flames talk podcast on demand It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. More Big Show Extra, Big Show Plus, Mucho Big Show with Patrick and Alex uh, straight ahead. Coming up at 9 o'clock, they got Noah King, Calgary Dinos captain and defenseman. And at uh, 9.30 uh, as well, they got uh, Marie Pam, sports writer, uh, full press hockey uh tonight down at the seven chiefs sportsplex and the jim starlight center uh it is the rogers monday night viewing party goes down from 4 30 to 8 30 uh they'll have vip guests including flames alumni and hit men assistant coach matt stajan and uh rogers hologram featuring a q a with nhl on sports and host carolyn cameron fans are invited to take part in the skate on the ice while the broadcast is taking place. Hey, speaking of Carolyn Cameron, she joins us here from the NHL on Sportsnet at the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Carolyn, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. How are you guys? We're good. Um, The halftime show last night. I know we want to talk about (laughs) hockey and the crazy hologram and technology and stuff uh, with Rodgers and Monday Night Hockey, but your thoughts on Rihanna's performance last night? I thought it was very good, but underwhelming. And the thing that I thought was very good mm. is she was solid. I wasn't sure if she was pregnant until afterwards. So I was until they announced her reps announced that she was the whole time. I was thinking, is she pregnant? Is she not? I'm not mm-hmm. sure. But her performance was very good. I thought it was production wise one of the best shot uh, Super Bowl 
halftime shows in terms of just the viewer watching from home on TV. But otherwise, I thought it was kind of underwhelming. It didn't blow my mind. What did you get? Yeah, I needed a little more pomp and circumstance, a little more pizzazz. Like last year when 50 Cent was hanging upside down and then got into the performance or Lady Gaga jumping from the roof of the stadium. Like I need something like that in my Super Bowl halftime performance. I thought her singing was great. I thought she sounded great. I just needed a little more from that. And she doesn't sing the whole time. Like so many times she was kind of dancing or walking around and it was just the, the background vocals or track. I don't know. It was fine. It's one of those shows yeah. I don't need to see it again. Right. I need Left Shark, Cameron. That's what I need in a Super Bowl performance. Yeah, and then people dancing around. They kind of look like marshmallows. <laughs> it's true. They absolutely <laughs> did. Um, in just a tough way uh, for the Eagles to lose that Super Bowl. People in Philadelphia not taking it great uh, this morning. Um, Want to get your thoughts on uh, the Rogers Monday night broadcast. Kind of cool. Tell us about the hologram thing and how it works. Cause it sounds so damn futuristic. It is kind of cool. It's kind of freaky. So from our side of things, uh, me and it'll be Anthony Stewart tonight. We stand side by side in front, side by side in front of just a camera, but it's set up as a hologram on the other end. So what's cool is that it's almost like we're there live. And we're able to interact with people, hear them, see them, and vice versa, and talk to them for a little bit. So it's pretty cool. It's pretty freaky. (laughs) And then tonight, it is the Flames and the Senators. What are you looking forward to with this matchup? Is uh, a little bit of an all-Canadian affair on a Monday night. Yeah, exactly. I think, especially for Flames fans listening, the Ottawa Senators have been kind of sneaky good. And I know they're not in the playoff picture. They've dealt with injuries a good bulk of the season, and now they're without their first and second string goaltenders. So now it's going to be so garden net tonight because they're uh, two main goaltenders and Cam Talbot and Forsberg are injured and out. Um, but they've been really good, like sneakily one of the best power plays behind just the Edmonton Oilers in the league. Um, so it's, it's a tricky matchup for the Flames, but this is also a really good opportunity for the Flames in a really tight Pacific division in the Western playoff race to try and get some points together, not just against the Ottawa Senators, but if you look ahead to their schedule, excluding the Rangers coming up, they have the Red Wings, the Coyotes, the Flyers. You see the Oilers losing last night to the Montreal Canadiens. So these are the games, and this is the time of year that you need to win. But even though the Senators are outside of the playoff picture, they've had a good second half thus far. And, and, it was actually DJ Smith, their head coach at the start of the year for honestly until like mid-January kept saying our, our analytics and our stats, they're showing that we should be better than we are. We should be getting the results. And now the Senators have been getting those results. So it's definitely a tricky matchup and the Senators are probably better than most Flames fans think. I was having a conversation with a friend over the weekend and, and his idea was that the Pacific Division was the toughest to play in because there's only a few amount of points between the first place team and the fifth place team, only eight points between the Knights and the Flames. And I argued that it might be the most competitive, but it's not the best division. Is it going to be the funnest playoff race to watch down the wire, though, the Pacific Division? Oh, absolutely. Like, if you look at the Eastern Conference, it's basically figured out who's one, two, three in both the Metropolitan and the Atlantic. And it's been that way for weeks, months even. Uh, there's a really big divide between those top three teams in each division and the wild card race. The wild card race in the East, there's still a bunch of teams in the mix. There's Washington, Pittsburgh, 
the Islanders, Florida's even hanging on. And if you really want to say Buffalo as well is hanging on. But otherwise, it's not really an exciting race. I mean, as everyone's known, it's like Toronto's going to face Tampa. And, you know, we've known that since almost the beginning of the season. So considering the Central is pretty locked, at least with Dallas and uh, Winnipeg, Colorado's still kind of the question mark. And I say question mark just in terms of they're going to make the playoffs. And I think they're going to be the team to beat still as the defending Stanley Cup champs. It's just a matter of where they slot in in terms of playoff positioning. But totally it's all about the Pacific division and who's going to be able to hold on in Vegas with their injuries. I thought they'd be struggling a little bit more just in the last two weeks. They've won uh, three in a row. Seattle keeps hanging on Edmonton, similar to Calgary is kind of back and forth as you think they've kind of figured things out and are in control. And then, as I mentioned, they'll lose a game like they did to the Montreal Canadiens. So Calgary's right there. I mean, it's 60 points. They're five back of Edmonton five back of LA. Um, LA is really good though. I've been trying to watch them a lot more recently and they're really tough. So it's, de- it's definitely the most exciting race because it's, it's really hard to predict. And every single week it changes every night. Carolyn Cameron from the NHL on Sportsnet joining us here on the in sports, I guess, hotline Russick and Rose, the big show on 960. Um, Carolyn, do you want an idea that was uh, talked about after a ball hockey game over beers that I think is totally electric? Sure, that's when the best ideas are made. It's true. Um, you're in television. Uh, you're in you know television production. You just broke down the halftime show for us that it was good, but maybe not electric enough. So here's the idea. A credit to Brad on my ball hockey team for this idea. <laughs> and then I talked about how awesome this would be as a television spectacle. Okay. Playoff format. Uh, the number one overall team gets to choose their playoff opponent out of the other sixteen team, of the other fifteen teams, and then it goes one, two, three, and so on until all the playoff matchups are determined. No conferences, no nothing. The number one team, and so forth, chooses their playoff opponent. You want to build an instant rivalry with another city or another team? Choose to play them in the playoffs. What kind of craziness would that be on Sportsnet if you were hosting a show where teams and representatives got to choose their playoff opponent in round one? I don't know who came up with it first, your buddy Brad, but I've heard um, Jeff and Elliot talking about that on 32 Thoughts. It would be a low-effort, bona fide success. That Can you imagine, like, if it was the Saturday night before the playoffs began on Monday? Well, that'd be too – well, no, I guess they could do it that short notice. Sure. Two days before it started, it would it would it would get huge numbers. I'm yeah. all for it because I think I mean, I'm more for if we just take baby steps. I'd prefer to see one verse eight, um, as opposed to how it's done right now with the in each division. I'd rather see each conference. It's one verse eight, two verse seven, and so on and so forth. But yeah, I don't think the NHL would ever go with Brad's idea but I really like it. And I think that's the type of kind of big thinking, different thinking, creative thinking yeah. that the NH needs to differentiate itself. Uh, Maddie, your thoughts on that playoff format? Yeah, I, I, it, it, the, the draft night would build some intrigue, but uh, you think, yeah, it would. But after that, so? like, I don't know. Okay. I played two games against the lightning and they picked my team because we weren't very good. So like, I don't know if it's going to build more rivalries. Like, is it going to build more rivalries than what we're seeing between the Leafs and the Lightning right now? I don't know I if think, that. I okay. Don't know. 
Okay, but let, but let, let me... Animosity. Imagine, right? It's like, oh, yeah. screw you guys who thought that we stink. We're going to show right. you. And then you end up beating them. And then the next year, it's like, look what you guys did. I, it yeah. would grow animosity. It would grow hate. <laughs> Imagine if you're a Flames fan and then you wake up. Let's say that the broadcast is on Saturday night, Hockey Night in Canada. The Flames made the playoffs. You're waking up Saturday and then you're wondering who they're going to play based on the draft that night on Sportsnet. The idea fascinates me. <laughs> yes. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sports is entertainment. And people are like, no, keep the division, the rivalry. That's just old way of thinking. And I understand all of that. But ultimately here, we're, we're in for, because as Carolyn mentioned, and she's totally right, the Leafs and Lightnings with the start of the Boston Bruins, it's been locked down, this playoff matchup. Yeah. I don't think that's good for the game. I really exciting. don't. Yeah, it's not exciting, and it, and it kind of devalues the regular season. This way is you want to finish as high in the standings as possible because you want to have that opportunity to pick who you're going to play. I think it would be awesome. And as Crosby I, said, he likes one versus eight because he said it rewards teams more for the regular sure. season. This idea, you're rewarding them even more so. And mistakes will yeah. happen because the NHL in terms of parity, as we see in the playoffs, there's so many upsets. Yeah, it'd be great, and it doesn't mean that then doesn't mean the number one team would choose the team that just barely made it into the playoffs. Maybe it's a team they've dominated three times in the regular season. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I again, like out of the box thinking. I, I wonder is if something team... the NHL should start to do because it's it's lagging behind. And I and I know a lot of people don't think like, oh, it matters like what they look like on the North American landscape because it's Canada's game. And I understand all that and it's always going to be popular in this country, but that type of thinking brings fans more fans into the game. Garners more interest into the game. And it just to me something like that would be a can't miss. Like it would be absolutely electric, and like the even talk show fodder weeks ahead of the the playoff, quote unquote, the playoff draft would be off the hook. Like Carolyn, that's all you guys would be talking about. Oh, if if the Leafs finish seventh, uh, is there a chance they pick the Sabers who finish fifteenth? That you think they'll drop there, or like the amount of just conversation around which team would want to play the other would be just great for the game as a whole. Because wh- how invested yeah. are really people into the regular season, honestly? Like they're, honestly, they're not right. Not well, especially can certain teams where you know you're going to make the playoffs. Exactly. When you're on the bubble, exactly. I was thinking too. It would. It would. I wonder, and I'm just thinking out loud. I wonder too how it would affect how GMs think headed into trade deadline. Because say, because we're using this Toronto Tampa example because we know that's the matchup that's set. Is Kyle Dubas wants to make his team better, but he also specifically already knows ahead of trade deadline, I need to make my team better to beat Tampa. And you know how some GMs, they don't like making trades within the division or, or with um, teams that they know they could play against? This yeah. would just blow that wide open. You'd have That's no a great idea point. by March 3rd yeah. who you and imagine, could be playing. And imagine the... Pr- yeah, that's a great point. Imagine the pressure on the favorites too, Carolyn. Like the top yeah, three or four teams in the NHL. How much yeah. pressure will be on them to win that matchup? Because that's the team you wanted. Oh, you got them all right. And then every yeah. time those two teams play for the next three, four, five seasons, you'll always remember back to that playoff matchup where they cho- they chose them and they lost. Yeah. I like it. Maddie, again. I don't know. Are we selling? <laughs> Carolyn and I, well, that's it. We're running the league. Sorry, Gary and Bill Daly, who's like the Prince Charles of the NHL, just waiting to take over the throne. 
But, uh, Maddie, like, are, are we selling you more on this idea or no? No, the idea is great. I just think that, A, there's no way they would do it. And, B, here's what GMs would do. Here's what GMs would do. They would pick, okay. they would pick the team that is closest to them to reduce travel, or they would pick the team within their division that they beat the brakes off all playoffs long. So and what's I, wrong with that? I think that it would just end up being conference playoffs anyways, so or divisional mm. playoffs anyways. So I don't think that don't it know. really adds anything except for this one choice. And does it change year to year? Like, I don't know. I Personally, I don't know how big of a rivalry it's going to grow compared to a team just facing the same group two or three times in the playoffs because that's the way that it wound up. Like, I... I would be all down for the radio fodder and the broadcast and all of the fun <laughs> stuff, but I think that GMs inherently would find a way to make this boring. <laughs> it would, all right. This conversation, though, is making me think it would be fun if all of us just came up with how we wanted to best change the league, because even in terms of talking now, I'm thinking, okay, well, what's the, before you make decisions or have ideas, it's what's the goal? Is it to grow rivalries? If it's to grow rivalries, I would argue that we need more divisional play throughout the season, right? I mean, so much has been said about the last battle of Alberta was, what, in December for the regular season? I mean, that can't happen. So if you want to build rivalries, that's where you have to do it first and foremost. But, George, what you said earlier, too, is you're right. As Canadian fans, we don't think too much about growing the game because we're so inundated with it. We're in. But in the U.S., where viewership's gone down this year, that's where the NHL is focused. You do need to grow the game. But yeah. still, in saying that, they probably won't go with this idea. Well, again, <laughs> and you talk about how, well, we shouldn't care because we're Canadians. Well, maybe you should because if there's more revenue generated down south, because we know the majority of the uh, revenue in the NHL is generated by the Canadian teams, the salary yeah. cap goes up. Uh, your team has more flexibility. Your team can sign more guys. Like, that's just... That's just the, the reality of the situation. The more money's made by the NHL, uh, the more flexibility teams have with the salary cap, which eventually would go up. I just think even when baseball threw this idea around, I thought it was fantastic because I just couldn't imagine a favorite picking a team specifically to play in the first round because they think they can beat them and then losing to that so team. Bad. I know. It could yeah, be, and what the repercussions I, I so would be too. It's teams could just it, totally screw that up and it would be yeah. sensational. It would be absolutely so uh, sensational. Uh, before I let you go, I uh, just wanted to ask you one thing. Uh, and again, uh, you're on the broadcast night, the hologram with Stewie. It's going to be awesome and futuristic. Uh, your thoughts on Novak Djokovic being the greatest tennis player of all time? I know. You must just be, this must be the greatest time of your life. It's the best. Because again, I, like, like I respect... And I know what Federer meant to the game and how beautiful he looked on the court and how he floated around. And Nadal's just sheer drive and determination to be a champion. But my boys, this is the way I look at it, too. Nobody's played better tennis than Novak Djokovic at his heights. No. Nobody's played the sport the way he's played it. And that's why, to me, he's the greatest of all time. And I think it's just a fait accompli here that he'll have the most major championships. George, I hate to agree with you but you're right okay he will right. finish with the most okay i'm gonna ask you oh, one more quick tennis right. question too because i lied about asking you one question yeah um will a canadian win Maybe another singles there. major within the next five years yes felix Ooh, felix okay i think so yeah i think felix i hope so he need, he he needs 
upstairs is his biggest problem, Carolyn. Yeah, but he came close. Like, end of last year was a really good sign, and I know Australia was disappointing. And for anyone listening to who is a casual tennis fan or not even a tennis fan, I suggest you watch um, Breakpoint on Netflix because Felix is featured. And it will also okay. probably have you question him taking that next step because Nadal was a really big hurdle for him, but he's, he's getting closer and he's getting better. So I go with Felix. All right. I like it. I'd love to see that. Uh, Carolyn Cameron, I like the NHL. Because you gave me a lot of time. That's a lot I of did. I gave, you, I gave you a lot of leash, a lot of runway. That's a lot of majors. That. It's 20 majors. Uh, Carolyn Cameron, <laughs> NHL on Sportsnet on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Great stuff. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, guys. See ya. There's Carolyn Cameron on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Using the same secret recipe since 1975, dining at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. Got a couple minutes to go. Uh, I want to get, Maddie. I want to get Patrick Dumont's uh, take <laughs> on my crazy or actually Brad for my ball hockey team's idea about having a playoff draft. Patty, your thoughts? Because I think it would be an electric factory. Uh, I'm, I'm, just, I'm not a fan of it. I just think it's the NHL, they're going to make a way of the cut costs. We already see it now with the we schedule home and home, like two, like a, a same team in the same market back to back nights just to cut costs. I figure if like example, Boston's number one seed and oh, let's see, Arizona makes the playoffs and they're the 16 seed and it's like I don't know why would you like it just feels it doesn't make sense for them to 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 do that to go cross country to play a playoff series. I think way it is, I think right now to focus on growing rivalries, fix the scheduling in the regular season. Yeah. Playing the Oilers 3 times is 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 BS. It's wrong. It, it it's it, it happens it not just all, with Flames and Oilers. It needs it's, to be at the end of the season. Yeah. If any time, if you're only going to play 3, it should be earlier in the season. Yep. Like it, it just needs to be there needs to be like it's not just with the Flames and Oilers. The scheduling is so bad across this entire league. Like this Saturday, like we were talking in our text message group. I know Winnipeg was the most Western Canadian team home on a Saturday night, and they played a nine o'clock local game. Yeah, it makes no sense. This NHL no. has a whole like, and then they go throwing up the playoff scheduling. It's messed up. I want to go back to one verse eight. That's that's yeah. one eight get, two three simple man two seven three six All four right. five. And- you, you know how I rip on the NHL's scheduling? Like, with all due respect to the Columbus Blue Jackets, why are they on Hockey Night in Canada? Because the Leafs are playing. No, okay. I oh, know. I, know, I, know I guess, why are you scheduling the Blue yeah. Jackets Leafs on a Saturday? That's makes no I mean. sense. Right. And, and, and in, especially in this city, why didn't the Jackets come to Calgary on a Saturday night? To be the back end of the doubleheader on hockey, and I was also game. thinking on Saturday, like the NHL could have made this whole thing as like an NHL Super Saturday. Use it as a TV marketing ploy. Mm. ABC had their bat, their doubleheader. Why isn't like our network doing a cross thing just to make it? I don't know. I get they have their hockey night in Canada. It just felt like there were so many regional things yeah. and so many afternoon games for Saturday and a sport that is not meant to be played during the day. <laughs> yeah, and and I get it because it's the Super Bowl, but just just little. Little things like that may go a long way with your league, right? When Crosby and McDavid play on a Monday night, that shouldn't happen. Like, it just shouldn't happen. And the league needs to be better at doing stuff like that. We talked about it last week. Look what the NFL is doing with Monday night football. They're going to start flexing Monday night football. And they're going to flex Thursday soon. Like, (laughs) yeah, because it makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. Because they yes. only care about the TV product. And that's what the NHL is dying in the States right now. They are WNBA numbers. That is wrong. That is bad. That's not good. For your, we're a big four league. No, you're behind the MLS in the States. I'm sorry. (laughs) 
which that league is a giant pyramid scheme, but we won't get into that at all. <laughs> I don't. I can't. I can't confirm or deny. I'm surprised that. Bernie Madoff is not the commissioner of the MLS. Anyway, I'm surprised. Let's I just keep adding involved. teams. There's going to be 50 teams yeah, in this yeah, league sure. before it's over. Yeah, sure, Patrick. Those teams are worth 400 million dollars. Sure yeah, they yeah, are. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right. Maybe 400 million in crypto from FTX. Yeah. Maybe that's what they're worth. Oops, nice. Get them. All right. Uh, what do you got coming up on Mucho Big Show? No, King, Calgary Dinos hockey, men's hockey team is a wagon in this city right now. 25-3, yes. and three, one of the best teams in the country. I love you, sport hockey. It's getting better and better every year. So we're going to talk with the captain there. And uh, Murray Pam, he writes for the Ottawa Senators. They're uh, the Flames' opponent tonight, so a lot going on in Ottawa. They don't have any goaltending. None. Matt Ooh. Sogard, former uh, Medicine Hat Tiger, I believe. The big... Uh, Big Danish goalie? So good. Mm. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a Dane, and uh, he was 37th overall, and he was a Medicine Hat Tiger. Look at that. There you go. Three Look for three. You, Time to end the show. Great job. Um, that's it for us. Uh, Charles didn't join us today because he was traveling, mm-hmm. but we'll get Charles Davis on the program tomorrow, and we'll wrap up the football season with our pal uh, Charles Davis, and uh, we'll have a uh, full recap of the Flames and Senators. We tonight. didn't do John's Seven. Flames stat. <laughs> oh, no. Let's squeeze it in real quick. John, are you ready? Yeah, ready. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. Go. Okay. With the Flames and Senators playing each other today, I wanted to compare the two. The okay, average quickly, age yes. of the players of the Calgary Flames is 28 years old, and the average age on the Senators is 26. Obviously, the age between both of them is 27. Now, the crazy part isn't uh-huh. that both teams are old and able to skate still. It's that the age gap between Leonardo DiCaprio and his past four girlfriends is still older than that, coming in at 27 and a half years old. Okay. It's not feel, bad, John. I feel um, like Charlie Day trying quick, to collect can I, can all I, the... Again, I'm all the pieces see- together. <laughs> Again, Le- like I'm seeing a lot of hatred on Leonardo DiCaprio online lately here. Um and apparently he wasn't dating that 19-year-old model. Well, but, that's uh good. yeah, do you want the uh do you want the guy rule, John? And great job. Do you want the guy rule, John? In turn, yes, John? absolutely. Good. Uh you're supposed to date half your age plus 7 is as young as you're supposed to go. <laughs> I just think that's a general rule of thumb. I don't think that's just guys. <laughs> Half yeah, your no, age that sounds plus about seven, right. Matty. <laughs> Cross the board. Fair enough. Yep. Half your age plus seven. Uh, the more you know. You can hit the more you know sounder. <laughs> John, I apologize. I'm going to give you no, more time tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to give you more time tomorrow. Okay, uh, that's perfect. it for us. Very, very smooth way to end the program. Uh, yeah. No. Live right. radio uh, go. at its finest. <laughs> Literally <laughs> yeah. live radio. Yeah. Um, Mucho Big Show. I like the Mucho Big Show. All right. It's next. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Bye.